All right, here we go. Hi, and welcome to the Wartime CEO podcast. Um, my name is Eric Kruger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. John Sane. John, say hi to the audience. Hello, audience. Thanks for giving me this opportunity to be here, Eric. No, just kidding. <laughs> We're very excited to starting this series called Wartime CEO, where we're getting practical on the ground, moment by moment, decisions that CEOs are making in a varied type of industries from many different countries around the world. So our first guest is somebody that I'm very close to and a very good friend of mine, Dylan Jerry, who has always been somebody who is totally innovative and disruptive and has obviously taken this new challenge and really run with it. So we're very excited to be starting this. Eric, back to you. Perfect. And we'll, we'll probably post a video as well, but um, you wouldn't have seen this, but when Dylan joined the chat, so he had this amazing wartime background, um, which I'm sure he'll tell us a bit more about, but it was really impressive. And now he's sitting with uh, Cape Town behind him. So Dylan, uh, thank you for Hi, being on the show. And uh, what we'd like to know, just to kick us off, is who you are, um, what does your company do, and uh, you know, how, big, how big are you guys? How many people are working with you at the moment? Fantastic. So my name is Dylan Jerry. I'm the CEO of the Kilowatt Group. And our group of companies supports the live event industry. So we take care of production management, equipment rental, infrastructure management, infrastructure rental. Then we also have a manufacturing part of our business, which designs and manufactures stage sets and exhibition stands and sort of consumer engagement tools um, that help consumers reach their audience. And so really our industry is at the coal face of this at the moment being hit very hard um, with all events being canceled, which I think is a good thing that, that we're stopping people from congregating. But we still employ 60 people. And in South Africa, on average, there are five dependents on every salary in this country. So that's, that's over 400 people that, that have been impacted in our company at the moment. Mm. Listen, so, I mean, like you said, you guys are at the forefront, um, really taking a, a very harsh beating with what's happening. Um, what we'd like to know straight away then is what have you guys done? How have you adjusted? What has been the changes from your side? So first of all, I think that I am remarkably calm um, as someone that um, had a similar journey to John in the early stages of business. I think I pushed myself constantly to burnout levels and I, and I struggled massively with anxiety. And so if this had happened sort of 10 years ago, it would have been a completely different picture. So I'm really calm. And I think the main reason for that is that I do not run this business on my own anymore. Over the years, I've built a phenomenal leadership team around me and I've started to let go of this feeling that I have to have all the answers. You know, I, I don't need to have mm. all the answers in my business. I have all the answers in my life. But the answers that I'm, I'm looking for are there and they are available to me through these amazing people that I work with. I think secondly, the very nature of my personality is that I like a challenge. And so in these times, I really sort of get energized because it allows me to look for innovative ways to fix things. And, and that's what entrepreneurs do is as entrepreneurs, mm. we fix things. And, and innovation comes from or comes quickest when things are broken. And so um, I think how we, we also st we started seeing this play out and we started getting cancellations about two weeks ago already. And um, we sat down as a leadership team 
and we became vulnerable. We create a safe space and we just started speaking about it. And, and I always like to, in the beginning of a meeting, create personal connection. So get everyone's fears out on the table. What is it that you're most scared of? And then once that connection has been created and we've all been vulnerable together, is starting to look for ways on how we can move forward from here. How can we protect ourselves? And so the main, there were two main strategies that came up. Number one is how do we preserve cash? Okay. And number two is how do we preserve our human capital? Because we believe that in the second part of this year, when the market goes back, people are going to have to speak to their consumers. And we don't want to be in a position where we don't have the human capital to help us claw back the losses that we're facing now. And so those were the sort of two headlines to our, to our strategy. And then um, um, learning from, from our investors and from uh, Clem Sunter's book, The Mind of a Fox, is always to have a low road, a middle road, and sort of the high road. Mm, and so we like started that. grouping things into sort of these, these plans because I'm an eternal optimist. I think we're going to be in confinement for a month and then everything's going to be back to normal. But, uh, you know, and then the second half of the year is going to be incredibly busy. But there is also this sort of worst case scenario that says, how do we make it to next year? How do we make it into, into next year? And so... Once we had these pictures in our mind, we then sort of went, how can we protect our cash as aggressively as possible? And um, the first thing I did and, and said to my staff is that as a CEO, I'm stopping taking a salary. I'm the founder of this business and I need to be the first person to cut costs. And wow. I must say, I've been a bit disappointed with how I've seen the market respond and I've tried to temper that in myself as well to say that everyone's situation is different, but I am seeing a lot of people giving up like week two into this, you know? Everyone's been, been fired, retrenched or fired or the business has been shut down. And, and, you know, my feeling is like, that is a way to protect yourself where we're in this business, this business is made up by all of, the sum of all of its parts, we need to protect those mm. parts. So that was the first step we took. The next step we took was to say to people that we can't be exposed to each other. So let's get everyone on annual leave and let's get that liability off our balance sheet. So all of our staff are taking their annual leave at the moment. The sales team are sort of taking one day's leave, working one day remotely, taking one day's leave. But essentially by the end of or by the middle of April, all of our staff would have used their allocated leave days for the year up. And that financial liability will be off our balance sheet. And by December, when, if we come back, everyone would, should be at a zero leave base again. And we would then really have to hustle in the second half of this year. So people really having to push harder um, to, to make those losses back. What we've done as well is we, we have plenty of assets and our insurance bills are very high as a company. And because those assets aren't being used, we've canceled sort of all of the comprehensive asset insurance cover on those assets. Even on our vehicles, we've moved them to balance of third party fire and theft, the vehicles that we own. And we've locked everything in a warehouse. So everything's insured there. That saved us a big chunk of money. 
We've then written to the banks and written to our landlords who have um, been very favorable so far. We're still waiting for a final answer from them, but just asking them for a payment holiday of three months um, just to protect our cash and to give us a bit of runway because uh, and making it known to them that, you know, in the years that we've been in business, we've never missed a payment. You know, it's we are trying to protect our business so that we can protect your business, but we need you to understand what that future looks mm. like. And so the banks have come back and said that they will consider on our debt instruments for us only to pay the interest portion and all of these things slowly freeing up cash. Then with our staff is we've said to them this month, we'll still be paying our staff as normal and we will then do a two to one leadership to staff split deduction in costs. So, so this month, Till, till for the whole of April, everyone will be okay. Nothing will change in their financial position. If we are still at home, we will, the leadership team will then take a 10% cut in salary and the rest of the staff will take a 5% cut in salary. The following mm. month, that will double. Mm. So the leadership team will take a 20% cut in salary. Staff will take a 10% cut. Mm. If we're still going, that will double again. And the reason for that is that a lot of the research that I've done has shown that even just talk of retrenchment reduces productivity in people by up to 30%. And people just give up. They give mm. up there and then. And so really what we're trying to do is we're trying to show our staff that we need to prepare for when this blows over. But we will try as a leadership team and me as the CEO, take as much of the pain up front so that you guys take less of that pain. And that has been so well received by our staff. Mm. The amount of messages I've received from staff managers mm. saying, I'm prepared to take a bigger cut so that my factory workers don't have to take as big a cut. And, and that's also just a testament to the work that we've done in our company about creating this inclusive culture. We win together, but we also lose together. Mm. Sure. This is absolutely brilliant, Dylan. I mean, it's just, wow. The way you've gone into this is just so, actually, you know what, Dylan? kind of expected from somebody like you. you all heart. And this is why you've built such an incredible organization around you. Can I ask, and can we just move quickly? You said your salespeople are at home and what are you selling? And if you're not selling what you used to sell, have you looked at selling something else? So, so talk us about, sorry, have you finished with cost cutting? Great question. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Great question. Okay. That's a great question, John. Um, so, yeah, first of all, I think what's very important in times like this is that you stay connected to your consumer, um, especially for big brands. I mean, we're a small to middle-sized business that's B2B, but especially for big consumer brands, like they have to stay connected and show people that they still care for them in this time because otherwise the work they have to do when they go back is so much more. And so we're yeah. kind of taking that approach, like just reaching out to customers and, and asking them like, how are you doing? Like, you know, what is it like to have your kids at home? Like, what are the things that you worried about? Um, and, and just keeping that dialogue going. Then what we've done is we've created a couple of product opportunities. So the, the one opportunity we've created for our factory is to say to people that you will be doing events in the next year. 
It may be six months from now or it may be nine months from now. But in the next year, you will be aggressively going back to the marketplace. And we believe that those companies that have fallen out of the market that are in our space and that will be gone, the companies that are left over are not going to be able to handle the demand that the market then brings. And so we all know what happens then is, is pricing radically steps up. And so what we're saying to people is the one thing that is for sure is you're going to have an event and you've built sets, stage sets and exhibition stands in the past. Let us design and build that stuff for you now so that we can keep our factory going. We can give it to you at a better price and, we, and it can buy us runway to keep mm. our staff employed. We will then store that for you in our facility for 12 months free of charge. So you pay for it now at today's price, but you can use it any time in the next year. And then the How's only that thing that received? will change is yeah, How's very well, very yeah. well. So we've got a couple of briefs coming in already for that. The designers are busy designing wow. some stuff for that. And, um, and so people are taking that up. The next thing we've, we've done is we've tried to figure out how can we take events to the people. And so, again, trying to replicate it as much as possible of how we usually do it. And so we've come up with, with multiple options where this is one of our small conference rooms um, where, where people can come in and just broadcast to staff or do sort of training. Um, and then in our facilities in Cape Town and Joburg, we've actually gone and built big stage sets. And within 24 hours, we can brand that um, and we can have your name up on there and all of your presenters and keynote speakers can present from those stages as normal, multiple camera angles, show directors making it very watchable. And here's the kicker. We, we developed a really good uh, registration system for the financial services and medical industry because those intermediaries require CPD points to retain their licenses. And we've gotten our developer to move that online so that guests can still register watch the broadcast, webinar, uh, live stream, whatever you choose. Afterwards, answer five questions about the content in that show so that they know you watched it and we can then still continue to issue CPD points. So that has been received incredibly well. The five, mm. We already have five or six bookings and we've done it really cheap which, um, you know, we're not really, char we're charging for time. We're not charging for the use of the assets because, again, our main focus is just to create runway so that we have a team of skills when this thing turns and that we can then recover as a business. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, so the three things you're selling are very much what you've always been doing, just digitally and with a longer sort of uh, a roadmap. Like you've, you've, you've done That's that. Right. You haven't radically switched to doing something totally different. You've stayed within your sector and just driving that. I suppose that the switch that has been most radical for us is that staff are all at home. Now, we as a company have adopted flexible practices last year already because we believe that the future of business, millennials are not going to come and work in a place where there aren't flexible options. And for us, as, as a company that has technicians and factory workers, that was a monumental task. But every single person in our company has the ability to have some form of flexibility in their workspace. 
right from the factory workers to the salespeople. The challenge, however, that people haven't been ready for is the loneliness that that brings, the disconnect that that brings from your team. The, and so, you know, I'm at the office today and actually there's one or two people here. And it's just, you know, that contact, like when I say contact, not, we're not touching each other, but <laughs> just being in each other's space and like feeding off each other's energy, I think is what, what has hit us very hard. And so again, as managers, we're checking in with our people every day and, and just having vulnerable conversations with our staff to show them that it's not all about P&L. We really care about you guys and we care about your fears and we care about, you know, that you, you may feel that you need to go to the shops and, and doomsday prep. Like we want to have those discussions. But to answer your question, I think that's probably what's hit us hardest at the moment is, is the disconnect from each other. Um, you know, it's been interesting. We've covered quite a bit of ground already in this conversation, right? Like we've spoken about values and about decision-making and about doing remote work and how do you realign your thinking in terms of your products and, this has been one of the biggest things that I've seen that this crisis has exposed is that organizations aren't sure about their values. And, you know, this whole, the reason we put this together is we want to know and understand what your decision-making process has been like in order to do the things that you are doing now. And it's so clear, like listening to you, what has driven the decision-making process. And I think organizations aren't sure. And that's why they get caught in this paralysis and everything you've given us, like it's so nitty gritty, it's so actionable, but it was very decisive decision-making that got you guys there. So I really want to commend Absolutely. you on that. It's really, it's phenomenal to see. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I just have a comment on that. Go for it. Sorry, just, I think that, I think the biggest problem, is, and, and I'm going out on a limb here, I, I call these truth bombs, but in our space, especially the entrepreneurial business owner, it's very easy to call yourself a CEO, but I so often see people not being CEOs. So what does it mean to be a CEO? Harvard's definition of being a CEO is number one, culture. Number two, strategy. Number three, assembling the senior leadership team of your company. And then they have like an asterisk and they say number four for eight type personalities, you can spend 20% of your time in product development. And I think so many entrepreneurs think they're a CEO, but what they've actually done is just bought themselves a job. They are mm. so connected to the operational problems and challenges that their businesses face that they don't spend any time on culture. They don't spend any time on strategy and they try and make all the decisions themselves. And I think that these things can't just be changed in a time of crisis. These are investments that we've made as a company for many years and that's why we're able to be in this space and we're able to make the decisions the way we're making them now. Mm. And so I think if anything, that needs to be a wake-up call that as a CEO, you need to take responsibility to lead your company culture and to make sure that you clearly define that culture because if you don't, the culture will define itself and make sure that you facilitate strategy in the business and include everyone's ideas. Don't be the one coming with the idea. Be the one facilitating the idea out of the room. And then making sure that you have a strong leadership team to surround yourself with so that it becomes easier to make these kinds of decisions. Mm. Sorry, I interrupted your question. Absolute, no, that is brilliant. absolutely gold, bro. That is absolutely brilliant. And I think what this shows us is that in times like this, if you have holes in your culture, they are exasperated. 
they are so obvious and how this is bringing in the very clear need for this sort of leadership. I know in 2008, how many businesses went down and the ones that survived are the ones with this culture. And so, I mean, it's just fantastic. What a fantastic, fantastic. And I think there's also so many unintended consequences that happen. You know, I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day that was standing in a queue at a local retailer for over an hour and 40 minutes. And he said the conversations were so human. He said, no one was speaking about the government badly. No one was speaking about our power suppliers badly. No one was speaking about any political party badly. Everyone was just focused on this common yeah. enemy. And I'm mm. so excited for our country to have that because I think that there's mm. such a positive thing can come out of this in that we can take all this frag these fragmented enemies and we can all focus on one yeah. common enemy and that will yeah. unite us as a country and so that i'm so excited about um you know what are the unintended things that we can't see now but how the world is changing like this is definitely a new way of life a new way of living a new way of doing things and those sorts of things are keeping me really positive and excited Listen, gents, um, thank you so much. I think this has been gold and this has been exactly why we started this, this podcast because it's these kind of conversations that are missing from what we see in our news feeds all day long. Um, I mean, you know, the examples that you've given and the things that you guys have done are really inspiring. And uh, a big shout out to Ross as well, Ross Drakes. Um, I was speaking to him yesterday and he's the guy who's then said, listen, like speak to Dylan before, <laughs> before I was speaking to Dylan, I wanted to kill myself. And after speaking to Dylan, <laughs> I was inspired. <laughs> so thank you for that. And uh, I have one more question for you for us to wrap. And then just one quick comment, which is that we are calling this wartime CEO because a wartime CEO steps in when there's an existential threat to the organization. They, they need to think about things differently. But what's been really interesting for me already, I mean, this is the second interview that we've done now for this, is that empathy is such a big thing of it. And like, it sounds, wartime CEO, it sounds like this, you know, dictator who's going to come in and just slash jobs and just do crazy things. But actually, there's a, such a big role that empathy is playing in rallying the troops and getting people on board and thinking long-term in terms of how you're going to preserve. And I think that's really amazing. The last question I had for you was just, what would your advice be to the entrepreneurs, to the leaders who are currently stuck and who are you know, fearful of what the future is going to bring and they have to make difficult decisions? Um, what would you say to them? You know, how can they go about making those decisions? Okay, so I have this story that I turn to very often, and it's, it's a story by Alan Watts, and it's, it's called the Chinese horse story. And how the story goes is that the farmer loses his horse, and the community all comes over and said, you know, that's so bad. And the farmer says, well, maybe. And the next day, the son, farmer's son goes off, and he finds seven horses, and he comes back. And the whole community comes around that night again and says, you know what, that's so great. Isn't it so great? And, and the farmer says, well, maybe. And the next day, while breaking the horses in, the farmer's son falls from the horse and breaks his leg. That night, the whole community comes around and says, well, that's too bad. And the farmer says, well, maybe. And the next day, the military comes around to conscribe the son, but because he's got a broken leg, they pass him over. So the whole community comes back that night and says, you know, that's so great. And the farmer says, well, maybe. 
And the story, the, the whole nature of the story is that the process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity. And it's impossible for us to know as humans what is good for us now, is that going to be good for us in the long run? And what is bad for us now, is that going to be bad for us in the long run? Mm. Now, I think back to me just being in this business, started off the back of one of the most traumatic experiences in my life. And at that stage, I thought was really terrible. And I look back now and I go, if that terrible thing didn't happen, I wouldn't even have this business. And so, so my advice would be to really just do things that can center you. So make sure you do daily gratitude journaling. Make sure you're meditating. Make sure you're switching off from social media feeds at least for a couple of hours a day so that you can get yourself centered, get rid of the panic, and then try and assemble a team of people, sort of brains trust if you don't have a leadership team, um, anyone that can help you look at the problem just slightly differently. And then to remember that roller coasters would be boring if they only went up. <laughs> the reason we enjoy roller coasters so much is because we think we're going to die. And when we get off, we feel absolutely amazing. We feel empowered. We feel energized. And we look back and we've created a story that we can continue to tell for generations from here. So stay positive. Um, Take the necessary hygiene and sterilization precautions and reach out to other people that can help you get a plan in place. Even if it's the wrong plan, just having a plan mm. gives you purpose. And when you've got purpose, you can be the highest version of yourself and you can go forth and you can share that high energy and you can adapt that plan as you move forward. Brilliant. Awesome. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. I want to go a standing ovation, Rick. That was fantastic, <laughs> wow. man. That was fantastic. John. Thank you so Listen, much, man. Dylan, thank you very much. Uh, John, thank you very much. So, Dylan, just for people to also know, you know, if they want to go check out some of the work that you guys are doing, it's kilowattav.com. www.kilowatt.co.za with one L. Um, yeah, or just Google Kilowatt. Amazing. Listen, thank you Wonderful. for your time. John, last words from you. No, man, I love you, man, Dill. That was fantastic. I feel energized. I mean, I'm already energized. Eric and I are both <laughs> energized now. We're even more energized. So thank you so oh, much, awesome. Dill. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Okay, Thanks for giving me the opportunity yeah. to share. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Ciao. Cool.